Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. What's up, everybody? It's Ryan Mitchell. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan has begun. Shira Lazar is out, but guess who I'm here with? You know, that sounds like a Windows here. 98, like with the turn, the computer turns on. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a variation. You know, it felt like something. I'm I like trying that. to do a sound the trumpets. Yeah, I could have played a trumpet possibly. I don't know. Well, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. You know, it's uh, um, uh, Fridays with Char, but she's been here all week. I've been but here all week. Char says so is today. Yes, it is. Very excited about that. That's what I look forward to on a Friday. Yes, and we'll be talking about some BT drama that kind of hits close to home for me. Well, all right, and I'm pretty sure it probably hits close to home to me, honestly, the gaslighting of it all. But real quick, before we get into what's coming up today, um, I want to tell you about what Channel Q is doing to win, to give you an opportunity to win some tickets to see the only, the one and only, the Kinky Boots. So Channel Q has your chance to win tickets to see Kinky Boots at the iconic Hollywood Bowl next month. Um, it's the weekend of July 8th, 9th, and 10th. The winner of sec, uh, six Tony Awards, including Best Musicals, um, Kiki Boots Inspired by a True Story, tells the story of an unlikely friendship built around some very unlikely shoes. I almost said include the winner of Sex Tony Awards. Because <laughs> <laughs> of Kinky, you know what I mean. Well, you know, it features Wayne Brady in the role of Lola, Jake Shears as Charlie, and Hairspray Tony Award winner Marissa Jarrett Winokur in the role of Pat Y'all, tickets, you can literally go to um, enter to win at uh, wearechannelq.com. But guess what? Today's the day in the 5 p.m. hour. We're going to have your chance to win a pair of tickets, too. So I hope you're sticking around. I hope you're comfortable because at 5 p.m., we got your tickets to win some. um, We have your chance to win some tickets to Kinky Boots at the Hollywood Bowl. So listen up. I'll have more details a little bit later in the show. Okay, so here's what's happening on today's show. Uh, We're talking about the January 6th hearings that uh, aired last night. And wow, a lot went down. And we are going to cover it. We also have some super talented folks coming on today, including writer, showrunner, and founder of Black Boy Rights Media, Mike Gallo, and the host of Odyssey's own It's Okay to Say Gay podcast, uh, featuring the host, uh, Femi Redwood. So much happening on this show. Let's get started with a couple of headlines. You ready, Char? I am. Okay, so, uh, Wow. So Ivanka Trump, uh, one of the most damning kind of interview clips that we saw last night. Did you end up watching anything last night? So I did not. I just saw highlights. Protect your peace. Yeah. Honestly. I just saw highlights last night and this morning. I, wa- I didn't watch it live. I watched ended up watching like an MSNBC recap mm-hmm. and then CNN recap. Um, well, Bill Barr, a former uh, attorney general, said, quote, I made clear that I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was BS. At last night hearings, um, Republican representative of Wyoming, Liz Cheney, played part of Ivanka, uh, Ivanka Trump's testimony to the House Select Committee, where she claimed she accepted that the Justice Department and Attorney General Barr had not found voter fraud sufficient to affect the 2020 elections. Here is what she said. General Barr made that statement. It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, so I 
accepted what he said was saying. This is the president's daughter. So the fact that everyone around President Trump at that time was literally saying, um, we don't believe this, but then they're also complicit because they kept going with it. Yes. And, you know, Sonny Hostin made a good point on this this morning on The View saying one of the reasons that they didn't that Fox News chose not to air it, of course, is because of the likes of Laura Ingram and because of the likes of Sean Hannity. Those text messages were going to be read about them freaking out. Well, we got a clip then we're going to play of that a little bit later on um, coming up, actually, because we're going to continue to discuss all of the hearings. Tucker focused on inflation last night and went for about an hour commercial free. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay, the Rupert Murdoch and company. Yeah, there was, there's, it was, uh, we have a compilation clip that we're going to play of Fox News during the hearings and what was actually happening happening on the hearings. And it's, you're going to hear the juxtaposition of that. Really quick, uh, before we jump, hop over to the T report super quickly, uh, effective on Sunday, June 12th, those traveling to the U.S. will no longer need a negative COVID 19 test one day before their flight to uh, enter the country. Um, the White House official, uh, some White House official told uh, ABC News saying we are able to take this step because of the tremendous progress we've made in our fight against the virus. If a new variant emerges, it emerges, the CDC may consider reinstating the pre-departure testing requirements. All right. That is your headlines. Let's head over to the T-Report super quickly. So this T-Report is so troubling to me because it kind of echoes R. Kelly and everything that he had going on with Azriel Cleary. So remember earlier this week, I was telling you about Ezra Miller and the 12 year old girl when he was 23, et cetera, et cetera. Well, she has recently come out and said that everything is like her doing. Like she recorded a video to Instagram and she's basically calling her parents crazy and saying that they're harassing her. And uh, she said it's really distressing that the narrative of the victim in question is not being granted in any trust. She said in the new video, I worked really hard to make it really clear what was going on. If the statements are too profoundly contrasting to whatever assumptions those of us have garnered and have chosen to carry, I'd like to say that it's nobody's business and that no one is owed a story or an outcome. So it's just kind of, she does sound brainwashed. That's what I got from all of this. And the parents, I mean, the LA Times just released a really good in-depth article around the parents filing suit. But you know what? They cannot find, like the law, cannot find or locate Ezra Miller in order to serve the paper. Really? So it's very R. Kelly. It's like in the same, it's parallel. And I'm not saying that he is R. Kelly, well, excuse me, that they are R. Kelly. But there are certain details that make me itch. It's a little strange. That's your tea report, In the though. name of grooming. But yes, that's your tea report yeah. for this hour. Stick around, because last night we were all on Twitter in a frenzy because of a certain pop star doing something, trolling us, as she typically <laughs> does. So you want to keep it right here for more. All right, well, up next we have Mariana Alfaro from the Washington Post back with us to break down what happened at last night's January 6th hearings. And let me just say, a lot went down. So if you did not watch, we got you covered right here. Let's go there. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right, we are back. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 U.S. Capitol attack held its first prime time hearing on Thursday evening, detailing the findings of the panel's investigation and playing new video from closed doors depositions of members of former President Donald Trump's team and depicting the violence at the Capitol. Now, if you were wondering what Fox News was saying during the hearing, here's a clip from the recount showing Fox News during the hearing versus the actual hearing. Just listen, please. Plus the most boring. There's absolutely nothing, nothing new. Most of the footage we are about to play has never been seen. It is a made for TV smear campaign against President Trump. The judge evaluated the facts and he reached the conclusion that President Trump's efforts to pressure Vice President Pence to act illegally by refusing to count electoral votes likely violated two federal criminal statutes. There's no respect for truth. There was no insurrection. There there was a riot, a small one, that got a little bit out of hand. Leaders on Capitol Hill. (laughs) A small riot that just got a little out of hand. Well, joining us to break all of this down is Mariana Alfaro, the reporter on the breaking political news team at Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I know that was probably wild for you to hear, uh, but I just want to dive in. What were your first initial reactions to everything when you watched last night? Yes, I mean, I was just, a lot of it was things that we expected to already know. You know, a lot of things that my colleagues have reported that other places have reported. But 
the emotion is something that no, no one prepares you for. You know, it's just like seeing these people who were there, who survived this, who saw their uh, fellow officers or fellow um, uh, lawmakers under like physical attack. Um, it, it was a whole other level. You know, um, I live near the Capitol. I uh, was flying back to D.C. the day of the attack, so I wasn't here when it happened. But, you know, it, it's just a whole nother, um, uh, I guess, degree of hurt that we saw yesterday. What's something that we learned new from this? Because there's a lot of information <laughs> and a lot of misinformation floating around. So what, what are some new things that we learned from yesterday's airing of, of this? Yeah, so um, yesterday's year was particularly focused just on laying out the the terrors and the horrors of these like far right groups that kind of led the charge into the Capitol. And one of the things that we that was new and that we hadn't heard before was um, one of the officers, um, uh, Carolyn Edwards, she testified yesterday. She was one of the Capitol Police officers, the first one to get injured during the attack. She told us that she saw Brian Sicknick, a fellow officer, um, be, be the, the moment he was injured, the moment that he got attacked um, by the rioters and how she tried to help him. She tried to reach him. And um, she was pepper sprayed the moment that she like turned around to see him. Wow. And that the graphic detail that we hadn't heard that before. This is the first time that we actually heard someone relay how the, the this officer was injured. And um, if you if you follow, you know, you know, um, Officer Sicknick uh, passed away the day after the attack. He had two um, strokes. And so he was one of the victims, the deadly victims of this. Uh, riot. So that was particularly emotional moment, I think, for everyone in the room. No, it most definitely was. There were so many of those moments um, because the way that this committee laid out the information, I, I felt like they did such a beautiful job at this. And they really actually set up the stage quite nicely uh, to mm -hmm. see, you know, how the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers really were in the middle of this and taking word for word, even Trump's tweets. Can you talk about mm -hmm. how their involvement were, was seen last night during these hearings? Mm -hmm. Yes, um, and you said it very, very right. It, it's just being laid out in a very a storytelling way, like a very, like, this is the evidence we've gathered. This is a proof. We have visuals, we have video, we have audio. Um, and this is for the American public to understand that this was, you know, something we've never seen before. And again, the Oath Keepers and the and the Proud Boys um, were center stage yesterday. And it, it kind of, I don't know how the word would be there, but it just kind of showed us how um, carefully planned this had been, but also how messy it was. You know, this wasn't just like a perfectly formed militia. This wasn't like super trained soldiers or whatnot. These were like regular Americans who had been told something so many times and who believed a certain set of things that um, made most Americans do it. And they just, you know, ran with their gut and ran with their anger and ran with their thoughts into the Capitol. And, and we got to see that side. Um, you know, the other witness yesterday was a British filmmaker who was working on a documentary about them. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, before the attack, we got tacos. Like, that's not what you expect from some group of people who could just break into the Capitol and be this violent. And so I think that that just kind of makes us realize, you know, what is going on in, in, in the country that's leading on um, these men to, like, take up arms in this way. Like, that's just kind of an, another layer of, of, of terrifying, I guess. Yeah, I saw that footage. It was really wild. And do they know that tacos are Mexican food? You know, these people, because they, do, they don't like brown or black people, but you can eat our cuisine before you go do an insurrection. Um, so what should we be looking forward to in the hearings coming up? Yeah, so um, there will be at least two more hearings next week, just next week alone. Um, the next one's on Monday morning. And so that one, the committee explained uh, yesterday that they're going to kind of lay off, lay out how um, Trump kind of tried to influence um, uh, government powers uh, to steal the election, even though he knew he had lost. And that's the thing, too. Like, we think that Trump knew he had lost. How, how in depth is that belief in his brain that he didn't lose? How much does he actually believe that? Uh, so that's Monday. And then Wednesday, we're going to hear from whether Trump tried to um, corrupt the Justice Department and its top officials with his own, um, you know, uh, with his with his uh, false claims of election fraud and yeah. how he could have, you know, manipulated this huge department into following him. And today Ooh. it was revealed that three former top Trump DOJ officials are going to testify on Wednesday. So that's definitely going to be one to watch. Oh, my goodness. Well, Mariana, thank you so much for always joining <laughs> us. I can't wait to have you back next week so you can break it down yeah. even further. Mariana <laughs> Alfaro, a reporter on the Breaking New Political News team at The Washington Post. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Well, coming up next, uh, we have all seen these gas prices, but that's not the only price going up lately. In fact, 
everything is becoming yeah. more and more expensive. We have um, another journalist from the Washington Post on with us next to talk about why we are experiencing the highest inflation spike in 40 years. Don't go anywhere. That's up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So we are back. Households across America are, you know, grappling as inflation continues to rise. And our next guest is here to break down why we are seeing and feeling the pain of this being at a 40-year high. Joining us is Rachel Siegel, the Federal Reserve and domestic reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you for having me. So before we get to the question of why we're here, can you paint the picture of where we are right now? I can try my best in a, in a time that is really difficult to offer a snapshot for because so many things are seemingly contradictory, but also happening in real time. But the main thing that people are likely feeling about the economy is the highest inflation in 40 years. It's inflation that has seeped into every corner of the economy, touches every parts of our budgets. And I'm sure that's not a surprise to listeners, given what we're seeing at the gas pump, at the grocery store, for rent and pretty much everything in between. Would you say that, you know, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is possible, is possible, excuse me, for where we are right now in the economy? Or is that just a piece of the overall puzzle? I think it's a piece of the overall puzzle and in some ways the latest piece of the overall puzzle. So to back up a little bit more than a year, inflation started climbing because of all these factors tied to the pandemic. There were supply chain issues. There was really high consumer demand when supply chains couldn't keep up. But the the latest iteration of blows to the economy has been Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In particular, it's dealt a massive blow to global energy and fuel and oil supplies. And that is trickling down to what people are paying per gallon at the gas pump. We're about to hit $5 nationally on average. And in many ways, that's a direct tie to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, and I guess I think the question everyone wants to know is how do we bounce back from this? Because your article, it um, really broke down in like five different charts. I would recommend everyone head over to the Washington Post to check that out because it's so detailed. But in these charts, it's, it's, it's really like how do we bounce back is the question when I looked over everything. I just wanted to know. I want to know, too. And I think it's the question that we're really trying to put to policymakers who are in charge of making those decisions. So the main government agency that is in charge of controlling inflation is the Federal Reserve. The Fed has put out a plan to raise interest rate hikes, or excuse me, to raise interest rates in some of the most aggressive hikes that we've seen in more than 20 years. The question, though, is whether or not they're coming in too late. And there seems to be a consensus that not only are they coming too late, but, you know, whether or not interest rates are going to be a match for the kind of inflation that we're seeing. Interest rates are designed to cool down the economy, but they cannot boost oil supply or fix supply chains or end a war. And those are some of the things that the Fed is up against that their toolkit just doesn't have. There's so much that goes on with this conversation and that also goes into this conversation. In what ways can the, I guess, our finances be properly delineated to get us up out of here? Because I see conversations bubble up all the time about where the Biden administration seems to be giving money versus, you know, our own suffering citizens right here in the United States. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I think that there is a real disconnect both if you are a policymaker in the Biden administration or you're at the Fed or you're a reporter trying to make sense of these things of how how the economy is felt and there are many ways in which the economy has made a tremendous rebound from the depths of the coronavirus pandemic the unemployment rate is low there are job openings but at the same time there there is this incredibly visceral feeling that the economy is not working for everyone that's especially the case if your budget cannot absorb, you know, yeah. rent that is up 5.2% compared to the year before, higher groceries. And that's that's a tremendous challenge for everyone. Yeah, and I know we're talking, of, like, this is turning into a downer conversation because it is. <laughs> but what are some of the encouraging signs? You you spoke about that in your, in your article that you co-wrote as well. What are the encouraging signs that are coming up for us that we could be looking out from the other side of this? Yeah. So the Federal Reserve, you know, their goal is to start to see cooling in parts of the economy that have just gotten red hot. And so the main example of that is the housing market. Home prices have soared um, at the same time that for much of the pandemic, interest rates and therefore mortgage rates were very low. 
since interest rates have started to go up and since the Fed has outlined a plan for them to keep going up, mortgage rates have had a serious run up and that is starting to cool demand among buyers who are competing for very few homes on the market. But the problem, and not to turn that into a bit of a downer, is that it takes a long time for not only home prices to go down, but for then that to then trickle into rent prices going down. So it's it's like holding on to encouraging signs, but also hoping that they continue on that trend for a very long time. Well, all right. Thank you so much for joining us to break all this down. Uh, once again, this was Rachel Siegel, the Federal Reserve and Domestic Economy reporter at Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Take care. You too. All right. Well, coming up next, um, we are actually talking, uh, you know, that reporter that we talked about earlier that made headlines for that retweet. Yes. With the sexist joke. Well, apparently there's another reporter that got in trouble. Oh, I've, I've heard some things. And we're going to talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about it up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay. So at the center of the whole Washington Post, Dave uh, Weigel situation that we talked about where um, a Washington Post reporter was uh, put on leave, like he was suspended without pay for a sexist tweet that he tweeted. Well, Well, that he retweeted. He retweeted, yes. Well, the story and the plot just continues to form because the Washington Post staff reporter Felicia Sanmez, who tweeted a screenshot of the sexist joke that Weigel had retweeted that uh, said, fantastic to work at a news outlet where retweets like this are allowed. She also reportedly discussed the matter in an internal Slack channel. Well, that all led to her being fired. Um, <laughs> she has been one oh. to kick, uh, keep up some controversy, yes, which the, I most recently learned about. She, I didn't know this. Yeah, she's been at the, centi- uh, the, the center of all of this. And, you know, Weigel, he did apologize. But over the past weekend, Felicia retweeted posts critical of Weigel and accused the post of having different social media policies for different employees. Well, she's has ha- she has had, like, basically this contentious relationship with the post, which she actually sued last year. So, honestly, they're probably ready to get oh, about yeah. that. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, she has now been fired for basically accusing, uh, you know, for the whole publicly shaming. And she criticized the paper's le- leadership. And I just wonder, because Variety, I mean, not Variety, but Vanity Fair, they actually um, posted a piece on this. Mm-hmm. And the writer of this piece said this. And I, I think it's really interesting to add to this conversation because I think two things can exist. Um, the the writer of this said, the spax- backlash against Felicia Sanmez smacks of annoyance that a woman would have the gall to speak up about systemic cultural issues. Her tweets aren't about one dude or one bad joke. They're about newsroom policies being unfairly or inconsistently applied. What do we think about this? I mean, this is like a social media meltdown that the Washington Post is having to deal with. Well, you know, as far as that's concerned, I, I, I do agree. You know, she used his tweet as a launching pad for a larger conversation. It was not, the tweet was not directly aimed at him, I'd argue. No, because she didn't even tag him. She just, she screenshot She just said, it's nice to know that I work at an establishment that, yeah. you know, you can do this at. You know, so to me, it was more of a critique of the Washington Post and not a jab at her coworker. But, you know, he caught a stray. And, um, he sure did. And I'm not for silencing women at all. However, in this context, I, I wonder if she's one of those ambulance chaser types, you know? And that's not to say that's a bad thing. Yeah. But I'm wondering if the Washington Post just decided to cut their losses because she's too much of a, of a risk or well, if... The ways that she kept going... I think there was a moment where I think there was a time where, okay, we all saw where it can end here. But it seems like because yeah, she was like, no, and, and another and thing. Because, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it just felt like she just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And then if you already have kind of bad, bad blood existing in your workspace, I wonder, it's just like, do you just read the room and maybe text your well, friends and go out to wine and talk to, you know, get your grievances out through that way instead of publicly doing it? I saw one of her colleagues tweet her and was like, sis, why are you still going? Like, we have, we've had internal meetings. Yeah. Almost like, it, like, girl, we just hopped off the Zoom call. 
Why are you now on Twitter as if none of this conversation it's is happening? Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Yes, yes. I've never seen my kids, but was just there the yeah. other day and picked them up. That's what it's appearing like. We've, we're having internal oh, discussions wow. about this on on the Slack channel and on the Zoom, and then you keep going to Twitter, you know, keep keeping up the dust storm up. Yeah, and it's super annoying that in the midst of everything that's happening in the world right now, that these two, this story is like being centered when they're journalists. They're not supposed to be at the center of no, any story. You're not, you're not supposed to be the story. Yeah, that's the so goal. It just feels. And even with Twitter, really the goal is to never be the main character of Twitter. But that doesn't really happen, I guess. But um, we have more show coming up. Let us know your and thoughts. And now she's out of a job. She sure is. She Dave is... Weigel, Weigel is out for a month without pay, yeah. which is refreshing to hear. And she's gone. But you know what? She'll undoubtedly end up at some other publication. Oh, we'll see. Up next, though, more top of the hour news and what celebrity came out in an Instagram post yesterday. Actually, we talked about Rebel Wilson, but I, I'm just very happy happy about her. But I know you have something else coming up in the T report, right? I do. There's a pop star. I know I teased about a woman, but this is about a man in distress. <laughs> he is in distress. He was denied. Well, you know what? I'll tell you. Just stick yeah, around. Stick yeah, around. Stick around. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Another hour down, and we are here. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. And I am Ryan, and who is with me? And I am not Shira. <laughs> if you take the I out and rearrange those letters, you'll get Char. <laughs> Hi, everyone. A simple... <laughs> Hello, I'm Char. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it when Char's here. It's Char says so Fridays. Yep, and we are talking something pretty heavy. But you know what? It's a tale as old as time, and that's coming up later in the show. Wow, that that threw like Tamron Hall when she was about to do some like really sad story in her talk show. I like to keep it as vague as possible. Yeah, you all better stick around now. Uh, but we also have the incredibly talented Mike Gallo. Um, you may know his work on HBO's Insecure. You know, the Issa Rae one. He was a writer on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm very, very excited that he's going to be joining us because he has a really incredible initiative that we wanted to highlight and take the time out to chit-chat a little bit with. So uh, let's talk about our next clip. 
Um, um, well, our top of the hour headlines. Let me get into that. So we have Clarence Thomas's wife. You, um, did I say Thomas? Tom- Thomas. Yes, it's Thomas. <laughs> Miss Jenny, honey. I always say Thompson for some reason. I don't know. Maybe you need to talk about that with your therapist. therapist. Yeah. Because <laughs> you do. That's your default. When you see Thomas, you say Thompson. I t- I may- maybe I'm just like dyslexic or something. Maybe so. Whoopi Which is. Which is fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Thomas, though. Clarence I have Thomas. dyscalculia. What is that? Something I'll tell you on Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, top of the hour headlines Clarence Thomas's wife, Jenny. Yes. She emailed 29 Republican Arizona lawmakers urging them to reject Biden's election victory and choose their own electors to certify a Trump win. Yo, Jenny is the worst. If you don't know her, she's the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. You know, the one that looks like a bullfrog. <laughs> That number of lawmakers she contacted is 27 more than previously known and indicates an even greater involvement on her part in Donald Trump's effort to overturn the election. People are now urging Justice Thomas to recuse himself from all January 6th cases. Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader, was asked if he thinks Justice Thomas should recuse himself. And here is what he had to say. No, I think I think Justice Thomas could make his decisions like he's made them every other time. It's his decision based upon law. If you spent any time studying the Supreme Court justice, he's one who studies correctly. And I mean, from all the way through, he, if he sees it's not upholding the Constitution, he'll rule against it. If it's the Constitution, that's what his job should be. It's him. Really? We trust that? Totally. Really? Really? Okay. Those damn Republicans. Really interesting. They're going to stick by each other no matter what. Well, the Pentagon is ending a longstanding restriction on service members with HIV. Monday, um, they announced the Defense Department has officially ended a 1980s-era policy that restricted HIV-positive service members from deploying overseas um, and being promoted into leadership and management positions. Uh, U.S. District Judge Leonie Brinkham of Eastern Virginia found that the Pentagon's classification of HIV as a chronic condition did not reflect modern uh, scientific understandings of the virus. Honestly, what took so long? I don't know why we don't update these things as, as we go. It's so annoying. All right. So the Carroll County Board of Education in Maryland uh, adopted a policy on Wednesday that prohibits pride flags from being displayed in schools under its jurisdiction, uh, its jurisdiction uh, under the new policy, which uh, the board adopted by a four to one vote margin flags that are not specifically included in its language cannot be flown, posted, or affixed to school buildings and facilities. Former Maryland uh, Attorney uh, General Doug Gansler, who is running for governor, took to Twitter saying, this is shameful, regressive, and exactly the wrong message to be sending to our LGBTQ plus youth. All right, it's time for our T-Report. What is happening over there, love? So Justin Bieber isn't having the best week. Uh, The first, I'm going to combine two stories because him and Haley, his wife Haley, were denied at a restaurant in New York City, an upscale restaurant, um, because they didn't have a reservation. He thought he could just throw his celebrity card down. Which, who told him that? I mean, that's... I wonder if the person still has their job. I really do question because you know how Bieber likes to, you know, urinate in mop buckets in the back of the restaurant. Does he still do that? I don't know. It's just certain things I'll never forget, like Ariana licking the donuts. Nevertheless, Justin Bieber has been battling a serious virus, you all, one that has left the right side of his face paralyzed, and he'll be needing to take some time off to get better. Now, the singer posted on a video Friday explaining to fans why he had to postpone several shows over the last week. He has something called Ramsey Hunt Syndrome. Have you heard of I've never heard of it, but we do have a clip of him talking about it. Let's take a listen. Nerves and has caused my face to have paralysis. As you can see, this eye is not blinking. I can't smile on this side of my face. This nostril will not move. So there's full paralysis in this side of my face. So for those who are frustrated by my cancellations of the next shows, um, I'm just physically, obviously not (laughs) capable of doing them. 
He better sing from this the side of his scary. mouth. Scary. He's gonna have to take some physical therapy. That's actually really Remember, sad. Haley just had a stroke a few months ago. Yeah. At breakfast. Maybe what is going on diet. with the Bieber? Yeah, maybe it's in the diet or something. Who oh knows? my gosh, my heart really goes out to him because and it's stress related. Yeah, I, he's gonna have to do physical therapy and facial yeah. exercises to get back in fighting shape. So that is the tear report for this hour. You want to stick around because I got all the tea on Britney's wedding yesterday. And uh, you also have the tea on what's coming up next, don't you, Char? Says so. Yes, we'll be talking. And Lil Nas X versus Black Entertainment Television. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, it's that time of the week. It's Friday. Come and on, it's Char time says for so. Char says so, good people. And today, Ryan and I will be talking about something that probably we both can certainly weigh in on. Um, Lil Nas X and BET. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, Lil Nas X has been going at it with BET and he's not holding back. Now, this is a direct result of the BET Awards nominations for the 2022 year. They just came out and Lil Nas X is not counted, but Jack Harlow is on there a few times. Yeah. Um, So the string of names, I mean, it's the usual suspects. Drake, Kanye West, you know, Doja. There's a lot of people nominated, but despite Lil Nas having having an exceptionally successful career and year in 2021, had some of the biggest songs of last year. Yeah, didn't he make a break a Billboard record? Yeah, in I 2021, mean, he, he, he's been breaking Billboard records since he, oh, uh, um, Old Town Road. Yeah, you know? you're right. Since since we met him, yeah. and so. Um, I should mention that Lil Nas X has rattled off a series of tweets, some of which has been deleted. One of them is, uh, this is not over a BET award. This is about a bigger problem of homophobia in the black community. Y'all can sit around and pretend all you want, but I'm going to risk it all for us. Come on. He has a new song out. I want to play this clip before we dive into the discussion. Let's take a listen to the new song. All right, here we go. BET. BET. BT. Yeah. BT. Now watch it be catchy. I'm hearing that it's featuring NBA Youngboy. And while fa- fans also pointed out that queer artists like Tyler the Creator and Frank Ocean have been nominated for plenty of BET awards mm-hmm. in the past, Lil Nas X says, you know, he loves them to death, but we can admit that queer men are more respected when they do less feminine things. Or am I making that up? I mean, hello, patriarchy. I mean, points so. are made. I was okay. So enough of that. Catch up, catch up, catch up, folks. So this is something that I was personally uh, conflicted with as well. You know, BET had an issue, uh, a kerfuffle that kind of came up in 2013 at their award ceremony with B. Scott, someone who was gender nonconforming. And I guess what we would have called androgynous in the past, who is now trans non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And so then when I'm working with BET... (laughs) And I'm kind of like, like before, B, I should mention B. Scott and BET, the have, they have patched things up because B, B. Scott just uh, hosted Lena Waits after show for 20s. But it is a little uneasy and it does seem to be a bit of cherry picking. Also in 2019, no one from the cast of Pose walked the carpet. I worked the carpet and I'll be working it again this year. Oh, you are? Yeah, oh, I'll congrats. be working it again this year. Thank you. And so what what do you have to say, Ryan? Because I feel like I'm giving a whole bunch of word salad no, to our yeah. listeners. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I For me, I think Little Nas X, one thing that I really admire about him, he's like, guess what? Once I came out, there's no way I'm going back in. Yeah. I'm not I'm not hiding myself. I'm going to be who I am. And a lot of people deem that as him making being queer his entire personality. But that's not true. He's He knows who he is. He uh-huh. knows what he wants to be in the public. And he's standing firm in it. And the fact that when it comes to, you know, the BET Awards, where a lot of people, you hear them complain about the Grammys and not being nominated. Mm-hmm. But the BET Awards is ours. As yeah. a community, it's our staple. It's, it's something to be said to be nominated yes he walked the carpet last year yes he got to perform last year and he made you know a very jaw-dropping was moment was that last year or 2020 it no made, that was last that year that was last year yeah 2020 they had the good virtual performance right and so last and, and, last year's when he shook it up with and, the kiss and made it, you know kissing with his boyfriend at the time and so it for me it's just really frustrating that we have to acknowledge from the dave Chappelle of it all that there black people unfortunately cishet black people do not think about intersectionality and they're has to be some, and especially BET came out with a statement saying, 
that they love him. I, sh- I forgot to mention yes. that. That they love Lil Nas X. And I thought it was weird because they said their voting committee, no one from BET is on their voting Which committee. Which is wild. So wild. Like, so wait. Like, y- that don't make got, any sense. It does not. One plus one is not equaling two. Doesn't make any sense to me. I also me. feel it imperative to take this time to kind of, you know, really note on a public platform that black people are not you know, inherently more homophobic than any other group. We're right. just specifically talking about this case because, you yeah. know, that is a stereotype and it that it is not true. Yeah. Every community, I would say, is neck and neck. No, I, I, would, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. But I, I think when you're when we're talking about communities that are already marginalized, there are ways for us as people in who are, still exist with privilege can still further marginalize, even yeah. further marginalize. And there's something to people. be said about Jack Harlow being nominated because mm-hmm. black Black people, in fairness, a lot of us yeah. would not even know a Jack Harlow if it was not for his feature on Lil Nas X's song. And it's just always something about a, <laughs> uh, a white man that can either dance or rap that black people sometimes oh, go Oh, yeah. Off we for. love a shuck and jive <laughs> when it's not coming from <laughs> not us. A shuck and jive. You know, the invite to the cookout, you know. And Jack Harlow's uh, PR team is really working overtime to make him appeal to black women. But that's another conversation for another day. But um, all in all, how are you feeling about this? We just worked with BET, what, two months ago? I mean, as someone who works a lot of, with Viacom, it, it is it is unfortunate. And, and for me, I've been existing in this space where I'm like, well, should I be like engaging with this online? And I am. Yeah. I, I'm most definitely because me I think it's firm to we should. You can't just use us and, and call out and, and call us to come do these things so it can seem like you're, you know, you're inclusive and you're you're all about being there in the in, in the intersections of our community when really we haven't seen the work. And when we're talking about allies, especially when your award show is during Pride Month. Yeah. You, we have we have to have serious conversations here. And what I will say is, and don't take this out of context, it seems I'm like... I'm taking it, it out of context. It I'm seems, clipping that moment. <laughs> go, so go ahead and say it. It just seems like the people that are on the ground and that are our peers are really doing the work. It just seems... It appears to me that the higher you go up in the food chain within certain companies, the more problematic it gets. That is yeah. what I'll say. Because yeah. it seems like... It seems like people that I've talked to and even people that I know that have personally worked there and done things like they are really trying to do the work and make things more inclusive. But it seems like the higher ups are like, nah, don't want to air that. Don't want to invite that. Don't want to do that. But we're never going to get anywhere until we recognize all of us to be. Yeah. You know, and in this together, and there's only going to be more queer artists there. Oh, I mean, yeah. we have Saucy Santana, who is who's finally signed, Which whose I'm music is doing incredible. I'm wondering what that would look exactly. like because there are there is a certain faction of Black people who seem to be way more receptive to Saucy because Saucy Santana is effectively the third member of the City Girls <laughs> versus someone like Lil Nas X, who is a rapper but is yeah. rooted in a lot of pop music as well. Yeah, well, that's your Char says, so I appreciated this. If you want to sound off on this conversation, hit us up at LGT Show, you know? You just, y'all, y'all just make sure what, y'all know what y'all said. <laughs> now, we invite all perspectives, but just, you know, be cognizant of, of how you're sounding off, and I'll put it at that. I'll leave it at that. Well, up next, the fun continues. We have writer, showrunner, and entrepreneur Mike Guile joining us to discuss his new show, his mentorship initiative, and what it was like being an intersectional, well, what it is like being an intersectional writer in this industry, and of course, Issa Rae, Insecure, all the good stuff. Up next, don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. From Haiti to Hollywood, Mike Gallo is a rising changemaker known for his writing and roles on HBO's Insecure, Netflix's Jenny and George, and Send Help, which is a new series that he co-created for AMC's All Black Network. And it's set to premiere this summer. I'm so glad that you're on, us, on the show joining us today, Mike, because you got a lot going on with your Black Boy Rights Initiative, your mentorship program. So I want to start out talking about that. Black Boy Rights, what exactly is it and why did you feel the need to start this mentorship initiative? Hey, y'all. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your platform. I'm just, you know, grateful to be here. Um, And great question. You know, I feel as though uh, there's always been a diversity uh, issue in Hollywood. So many reports come out, whether it's like UCLA or WGA or the NAACP, um, um, kind of um, uh, surveys that come out just expressing how much there's a lack of diversity in Hollywood. So my program aims to kind of like fill that gap 
uh, and provide pre-WJE riders with a opportunity to um, have access, to be amplified, you know, to, to find work. So, um, and I felt like I needed to do it only because I was helped along the way, you know, uh, in my journey. And there are so many people that, that uh, took time to really uh, nurture my career and mentor me. And I felt as though I needed to do the same for others. So that's what birthed the uh, the mentorship initiative. Which is quite incredible. And it, it's one of those things that Shara just mentioned that you we don't get to really see that sort of representation, right? And so what were some of the things that you learned through your career that you really wanted to pass on to this next generation of writers and show writers, um, you know, taking on their roles in Hollywood? Oh, great question. I think... Most of all is how to maintain a sense of um, visibility. I think that there are many extremely talented writers out there, but that doesn't mean anything if you don't amplify yourself, if no one can see you, if you aren't able to take up space, if you know people aren't giving you a shot. And a lot of times people can't give you a shot because they don't know that you're there. Or at least... Sometimes the excuse from a lot of executives or showrunners or, you know, individuals looking for, for writers, it's, oh, I don't know where to find the black writers. I don't know where to, where to find the uh, diverse, you know, writers. But we're right here. You know what I mean? So it's a matter of making yourself visible um, so that that excuse no longer exists. With a reported 18% of screen credits going to minorities and 57% of queer creators reporting ongoing microaggressions, how can diversity in the writer's room help shift the perspectives of black people and or queer people in America? Mm. I think a lot of times when, you know, writer's rooms are being put together, they have like the token black person or the token gay person or the token uh, disabled person to speak to that experience. When in actuality, you can't have one speaking for an entire group. Like you have to be able to have not just diversity of people in a room, but like diversity of thought. Because not every black person is going to have the same thought about how they operate in the world and what experiences that, that they have. So I think it's, you know, really important not just to be able to have several different types of black people or people of color or, or disabled individuals or what have you in the room, but it also just um, nurtures the idea of like, okay, diversity of like thought, how people think, everyone thinks differently. Uh, ways in which to kind of like help facilitate that is reminding those individuals who are higher up, who are, who are, who are in those positions of power to be able to hire folks, um, to remind them of that, you know? Yeah. And for myself as someone who, you know, became a co-showrunner uh, last year, my first thought was, okay, my writer's room. How do I create a diverse experience in my room um, and really make everyone feel included in the process of writing the series, you know? Um, and it's not just about having that one woman uh, or one black woman or, or, or like I said before, like one gender nonconforming person. It's about having a variety of individuals in the room that express different experiences yeah. and have just a different way of thinking. It just makes your work better. No, it most definitely really does. And, you know, we could really talk to you all afternoon. You're just so incredible. And I feel like the work that you're doing is so beautiful. I just want to give everyone listening the opportunity to find out how they can join this initiative. How can they, you know, be a part of the Writers Media Initiative that you have? And then also I want to set you up to talk a little bit about your show before we wrap up here. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, the Black Boy Rights, Black Girl Rights Mentorship Initiative um, is a year-round program. Uh, if you'd like to apply to the program, applications usually open um, in, like, November, uh, and that is in partnership with Stage 32, which is, like, this online screenwriting um, uh, platform that exists. But, yeah, so if you'd like to be a part of the program, I would say look out around November for the application process for the new year. Well, all right. And then, of course, Send Help, the new series that you co-created for AMC's All Black Network, is set to premiere this summer. Mike Gallo, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Go There today. We really appreciate it. And good work. Thank you so much for having me, y'all. This was fun.
All right. Well, coming up next, we have so much to talk about. What shocking thing did this person mail to her ex-boyfriend after he cheated? Honestly, this sounds like something a charge I sale would probably do. Poor <laughs> <laughs> show coming up after this. Don't go anywhere. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hey, we have to talk about how Geico or- was ordered to pay $5.2 million to a woman who claims she called an STD during sex in a car. So a Missouri woman who claims she caught an um, STD when she had sex with her boyfriend. Specifically HPV. Well, yes, we were going to get into the details. Um, she had sex with her boyfriend in his vehicle, has been awarded a $5.2 million sentiment, settlement from her now ex-partner's car insurance. So Geico has decided to contest the decision in federal court, arguing that the claim is not covered under the policy. Yeah, I would assume catching an STD from your boyfriend who... I guess probably was cheating on you because that's the reason how he got it. Like just because it happened in the car, how does she even connect it to even doing it to Geico? Like, I don't even understand. That is such a strange lawsuit to file. That is wild. Why not sue him directly? Yeah, right. But maybe she like he poor. So we we yeah. did it in the car. I know who your car insurance is. So we're we going to get this done. We're going to the Geico gecko. Okay. <laughs> so an arbitrator later found that the couple's sex in the vehicle, quote, directly caused or directly contributed to to cause the HPV infection. Um I the insurer the insurer asked for the award to be tossed out, claiming the judgment violated its right to due process, but its request was denied and it appealed. And so the three judge panel found that the lower court did not um, err by denying Geico's motion, saying the company did not have a right to relitigate those issues. One of the judges even occurred, uh, concurred, but said that the co- company was offered, quote, no meaningful opportunity to participate in the law lawsuit and existing law. Regu- I mean, they got five million dollars. I mean, they can they can just toss that to her. But like also, if she wins this, I'm like what she did. If she actually gets that money. Who's uh, everyone's going to sue? Yeah, well, you know now the, the the kids at the elementary school can sue one another. I can literally be like, oh my god, I slammed my hand in the car. I'm suing my my you yeah. know my Progressive Insurance. Are wow. You, are you with Progressive? Yeah, I actually like them. I'm an Allstate girl. I was with Geico before, and they were just expensive. But I had an awful girl. driver rec- driver's record. That, oh, really? Yeah, like I got I, when I was growing up, I got into a lot of accidents. And you know, premiums are already higher for boys. I know, and it's just now got down to like a good premium. Yeah, where because everything has fallen off. I mean, it took me like seven thousand years for it to happen, but it finally did. But this is wild. I mean, it's not like the the five million dollars is going to heal that HPV girl. You're still going to have it. You got to get the one step. Remember that commercial? One step changes everything. That wasn't for a yeast infection. No, that's for HPV. <laughs> and the, they were doing like drill team practice. Sorry, I have a I have a weird library in my head. You all. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 